Okay. For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Lawrence Gregory entitled Chastening. Mr. Gregory. This coming week, we will be observing Passover and the seven days of unleavened bread. And by scriptural instruction in 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, and through practice, we examine ourselves very critically. We read here in verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, For he that eateth and drinketh, no, verse 28 beginning, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that wine cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged... We are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, by judging ourselves, we don't need, as I just read, others to judge us, whether other people or God, because we are judging ourselves and examining ourselves, and the Lord then is entering into our relationship with him and chastening in us rather than condemning us with the world. So it's better to have chastening now than to have condemnation later. We have to be careful in judging other people because uh, sometimes we might say, well, they're bad because they're doing bad things or they're good because they're doing good things. And it might be vice versa. It might be totally uh, opposite from what our outside evaluation might be. Christians do good, but we suffer bad things. They seem or may seem to be experiencing good, but uh, have not done so. Sometimes a person might appear like, you know, everything's going well in their life, but they may have some problems. Some say God is chastening them. If a Christian is having problems and difficulties, then a person could wrongly say, wrongly judge and say to that person, well, they must have done something wrong because they're suffering bad in their life. Maybe, maybe not. What's most important, brethren, is that we examine ourselves, is that we judge ourselves. I have a question here. Several, actually. Are we being chastened? How and why are we being chastened? Now, in Revelation, the third chapter, verse 19, Jesus had messages to seven churches, seven congregations there in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation 3. We want to read in verse 19, Concerning the Laodicean church, he said something very important and significant. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. 
Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So when God chastens us, we examine ourselves. If we have a need, we repent. We change. Now, it's interesting about the Laodicean church is that um, nobody wants to be in that church. But it's easy to say somebody else is in the church. They're Laodiceans because they're lukewarm. They're not walking in a right example. That's why we have to stop judging other people and judge ourselves and ask ourselves, am I right with God? Am I doing what he wants to do? Now, the Laodicean church needed zeal, needed repentance, needed to be chastened. It was prosperous, self-satisfied, lethargic, secure, so little needs, yet in that congregation, Christ still loved them because he said, as many as I love, I chasten. So he was showing that uh, he loved even when there's a need for correction. So what is chastening? Uh, the purpose of it? How are Christians chastened? Now, if we look this word up, we see in various forms of a noun and a verb and uh, different forms of this word. It occurs, and I counted them, 47 times in the scriptures, three of them in italics. So it's a little uncertain. The translators added the word chastised or chastisement or chasten because it fit in the explanation of that verse. There are 32 times in the Old Testament with five different Hebrew words. Five different Hebrew words that are translated in those different forms. One three times, one 20 times. The most frequently occurs 20 times. One, one time. One word, seven times. And another word, one time. Then in the Greek, we have 12 times the word in its form occurs. Four times with one Greek word and eight times with another Greek word. And it's interesting that um, the definition of all of these words agreeing in the Hebrew and the Greek generally, and I'll read those definitions, except for one Hebrew word that has, the, has one translation possibility of punishment. Now this is very important because the majority of the now, in, in our English, we tend to take the word chastise as a beating, a whipping, a, something very, sometimes very severe to be chastened. We tend to think of punishment, but that's not the real intent of this word. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these Hebrew words because we have a few scriptures on each one of them. But uh, here's, as I read through the definitions, listen to this. Uh, to be right, correct, argue decide, justify, convict, convict, rebuke, reprove. Another one, to chastise with blows or worse, to instruct, punish. That one word that occurs sometimes with blows or is used in punishment. Other times that same word is used uh, just simply to instruct. Another Hebrew word, looking down on, browbeating, depress, abase, self, afflict, or humble. So one time that word occurs when a person chastens himself, they humble themselves, they abase themselves, they uh, look down in a humble way. And if, 
and afflict their souls. Uh, another word that's translated seven times simply means corrections or correctness. And another word that's translated one time is chastisement, correction, refutation, refute, prove, rebuke. Then the Greek words, very similar uh, words, just a little bit uh, variation in their form, tutorage, education, training, disciplining, correction, instruction, nurture, to train up a ch another Greek word, to train up a child, educate, discipline, <coughs> instruct, learn, teach. So we see the emphasis of these words of chasten is on correcting and teaching and instruction, reproving, reproving, rebuking, correcting, and only one time, one one is used in the sense of uh, harsh discipline or blows, or uh, we would we would say punish. Now there are other words that are translated. I'm not going to go into that are more severe words that have to do with uh, the uh, more severe exercise of, uh, of chastening in what we would call punishment. So what we want to uh, remember is the emphasis is on education, training, reproving, rebuking, and sometimes occurs with punishment for wrongdoing. And so we can, you know, keep that in, keep that in mind as we go through here. Let's go to book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And uh, some very interesting references here. We'll spend a little bit of time here. Uh, beginning in Revelation, the fifth verse, chapter 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth, that's a different word here, and, notice, he chasteneth, and scourgeth, this, this word is a stronger word to punish with blows, every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us, after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And the word exercise here is a word where we get the word gymnastics or gymnasium or, or gymnastics. So exercising gymnastics, uh, those of us who are involved in activity, uh, 
peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now let's go back up here to the beginning here and we'll see the inevitability here of uh, the uh, chastening. Because it says in verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. But if you're without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. So we ask ourselves, am I being chastened of the Lord? Am I involved in a chastening? Well, how do I know that? Well, perhaps as we progress through this, we'll be able to have a little better understanding and see this. In verse 7, we must endure this chastening. Don't give up. Bear it through. Uh, you know, we can't be a stoic. A father, and we'll, uh, this is not a, a message on childering, but because God uses the illustrations throughout his word about childering and disciplining and chastening. And uh, we'll say parents that are chastening their child, they don't want to see stoicism and unfeeling and just standing and taking it without any emotional, without any repentance, without any sorrow. That's not the, that doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it's what's happening in that child, uh, you see, is rebellion uh, working in that child rather than feeling and crying and, and sorry and, not, and resolving not to do that again. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to be uh, a stoic, but he wants us to endure, to go through that, to overcome, to learn the lessons from that, because that's what uh, the instruction, the teaching of the chastening is, to teach us something. Uh, in verse 6 it says, this scourging is the word mastigo, and it means to flag or whip. So God tells us, now I know we have to be very careful in today's society because of the laws and public uh, expressions, and I'm not, like I said, I don't want to get onto childering too much, but disciplining of a child through spanking or through uh, blows or punishment doesn't mean we're beating that person to death or we're abusing or killing them. It can be sometimes those uh, uh, efforts of punishment are from love from the family to from the parents to the child to get across and to make uh, sure that they are understanding the seriousness of the discipline that they're uh, receiving from their parents and so uh, parents should carefully and tactfully and wisely uh, when they use corporal we call it corporal punishment be very careful about that uh, chastisement comes in in, in different ways to us, um, sometimes distress, sometimes trouble, sometimes loss, sometimes a disease, we'll see, sickness, persecution, an injury, a lack of achievement. Generally, if we can think about this, generally punishment is reserved for sinners. Those who are obedient and doing good aren't punished. God doesn't beat up on a child that is obeying and, and uh, following him and doing good. God doesn't beat up on them and when things go wrong in their life that doesn't mean God's beating up on them. But if they're wrong, if they're doing sin or, or something that is bad, they need to learn that lesson, repent of it, and change and be corrected. Uh, we sent, God sends uh, 
chastisement to us to correct our faults, to help us develop our spiritual character and to grow and to overcome and to change, uh, to produce fruit in our life, like here in verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous while we're undergoing that. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know, fruit takes some time to develop. And it takes time for it to grow and to mature a tree once a year when it bears that fruit. And it takes time to prepare for that. And so uh, in our life, God knows it takes time with his chastening, with his guidance, with his leading, and sometimes punishment and dis discipline when we need it. It takes time to uh, produce the fruit and to obtain that maturity that God wants in our life. Our duty is uh, not to despise it. Verse 5 says, despise not you the chastening. Some, you know, just put it off or deem it unimportant or view it lightly. We don't want to do that. We don't take it lightly. It's very serious, very important. We're not to faint under it in verse 5, uh, nor faint when we're rebuked of him. But to be in subjection like we see here in verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Yes, after it's over, the tears are dry, the child in reflection uh, loves a parent and thanks, you know, and, and appreciates. And every adult, I think, that had uh, good parents that uh, practiced uh, uh, sometimes rigorous child training and, and uh, rearing on them, look back and say, you know, I really appreciate my mom and dad. Even though I got spanked and, you know, got, you know, disciplined and it hurt, uh, I can look back and say, you know, I'm glad I had a, a godly or at least a caring mother and father that cared enough about me that they sense a discipline. That's the way God is, that he sends that discipline on us. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live. If we, if we can respect and have reverence and appreciate our parents, how much more God who is caring for us? Now, uh, in, in verse 5, there's a, like I said, there's a lot here. Uh, it's appointed by God for us. Verse 5 and 10 is sent in love. Verse 10 and 11, for our profit so that we will be righteous, that's the result, that's the fruit, that we will be holy, that we'll have peace. God wants us to be peaceful, holy, righteous, and good. That's why he sends chastening in our life. Now, remember, keep, I'm, I'm just hammering this. What is a chastening? Instruction, correction. We, we get instruction from the Bible. We read something. We say, oh, you know, I've been eating wrong. I've got to quit eating that a dirty old pig. <laughs> I'll have better health. Because God says that pig, that hog, those products are unclean. They're filthy. Avoid them. So just off the top of my head, one example. We are instructed. We correct that. We change that. And we do better. We have better health. The fruit of God's Holy Spirit we know is love, joy, peace. We can go on through those uh, fruits of his spirit. But afterward, after the chastening, 
after the whipping's over, after the uh, correction, I told you this, I told you 10 times, I'm not telling you again. The parents use this all the time to their children. You know, rather than that, I've told you a dozen times, don't run in the street. Don't do that. You know, don't run on like my neighbors. My wife and I are backing out of our driveway. They're two little kids, unattended, unsupervised. And guess what they were doing? Jumping on top of their car. Guess what happened? The tops caved in. You know how hard it is? You can't, you got insulation up there. You can, that's gonna be a body job to replace the top of their car where their kids were out there. And the dad, because I talked to him, and he said, yeah, I know it, I got on him for that. Well, it's kind of late. I don't know what the discipline, I don't know what the chastisement was, but uh, to me, <laughs> it would have it been probably more than just a talking to. And uh, so, you know, I know adults in God's church, we have mixed emotions. I don't want to speak to us a minute. We look back and say, you know, boy, that's severe. You know, that church was strong and they were hard. And, and um, you know, they're, but it was well-meaning and it was, it was meant for our good. And how many of us can look back and say, I'm glad for the discipline. I'm glad for the correction. I'm glad for the chastisement that I had from God through that means. And so the result was unattended. Those little kids, and I could tell you about, because we're next door neighbors about them and things going on in their life. And we just, we just don't want to go there with, they need more discipline and chastening from their parents. Okay, now uh, let's go to uh, a few examples. Let's go back to Deuteronomy, the 21st chapter. We're going to look at a, a number of scriptures here. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father, or the voice of his mother, and when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of the city, and unto the gate of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shall they put away evil from among you. So shall you. And all Israel shall hear in fear. If we look at modern day world today, nations, including our own beloved nation. We would say a lot of our youth are out of control, aren't they? Juvenile delinquency because of the parents are inattentive and not exercising, chastening and discipline over. And we could say, you know, that seemed harsh and that was very difficult for them to experience. But this wasn't to be taken lightly, it was to be a, a great example. This is the one word, the one Hebrew word that uses the word uh, only time and all those other, these other words that we're looking at use the word for uh, punishment. 
So he was, if he wasn't punished and didn't accept it, then the ultimate punishment. Proverbs 19.18. I said this wasn't to be a child-rearing sermon, but it seems like so many of the, the few of the scripture references of those 47 references have to do with child-rearing. A few of them, not all of them, just a few of them, but this happens to be one of them. Chasten your son while there is hope, and let not your soul spare for his crying. That's hard. It's harder, like, you know, parents say, and, and we know this is true, this hurts you more than it hurts me. Parents don't like to see their children hurt or crying, but they know that that correction instruction is for their good beyond. Same way with us, sometimes in chastening from God, it hurts. Sometimes in order to get our attention and to get us corrected and changed, the, the chastening is not just instruction and teaching and a reproof or a rebuke, but sometimes some pain, some suffering that goes along with it. And then we say, you know, thank God, thank you for this, for love for me and for chastening me and I'm going to change and I'm going to repent, I'm going to do better. That's the peaceful fruit of righteousness that comes as a result of God's chastening upon us. Uh, go on back to Psalm, the sixth chapter, on forward, Psalm 6. Verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, neither chasten me in your hot displeasure. Don't correct me when you're angry. We don't want parents to correct their children when they're angry. We send correction when we're in full faculties and fully aware and not in hot displeasure, cool, calm, because when we do that, and we know from experience many times from suffering maybe that or from giving it, uh, the consequences can be uh, more uh, hurtful than we intended. If a person is in a temper and a hot and angry when they send that uh, discipline. So we can thank God he's not angry. Now, we know God is coming back angry. We know there is the wrath of God. We know that he is angry every day with sinners. He is angry with disobedient, rebellious, stubborn children. We don't want to be like that because if we are, then God is going to get angry at us and we don't want that because, you know, I'm going to say this and it troubles me and it troubles you to think that some Sons of God think they can just do anything, get away with it, and they can just stop doing righteousness. And, you know, it's like Jesus said, at the time of accountability, he told them to take from him even that which he seemed to have. That's why we have to judge ourselves and be very critical and very careful in our evaluation because uh, we don't want to get into a situation where we don't have on that wedding attire. We don't, we, we've given up, we've lost. We've turned back away from God. 
If I ask us, I'm speaking plainly, if I ask us in this room, I'm not going to, but if I ask us to raise our hand for those that we know that have turned back into the world and gone back to the ways of evil and, and, and wickedness and, and keeping pagan holidays and like one man, a minister, told me, I'm so glad I'm out from under that law of God. And they turned back to the Christmas tree and all of that. Don't our heart go out to them in fear for the consequences of the wrath of God coming on them? Maybe in time, if we see that and we can withhold condemnation, but we can judge righteous judgment. No, I'm not going to go that way. That person's wrong. They're making a mis mistake and a decision. Hopefully they'll repent. Hopefully God's wrath will not be too hard on them and his love will shine through and then they'll overcome and grow. In 50 some years in the church of God, I just can't tell you how many I have seen turn away and go back and give up. My heart goes out and I wish it weren't so. God is their judge and, you know, hopefully in mercy and love and kindness, uh, it won't be too severe, the chastening that he sends. So, you know, you know where I feel and how you feel about that. I'm sure we're in agreement on that. Uh, Psalm 118, while we're here, verse 18, Psalm 118, 18. I don't keep up with uh, the uh, computer operator, uh, Brian, I guess he's, yeah. He's probably ahead of me on some of these things. Uh, Psalm uh, 118, verse 18. <clears throat> the Lord has chastened me sore, but he's not given me over to death. While there's life, there's hope. We just read that. There's hope, there's chastening that will give us hope. So, yeah, it's difficult. It's trying. Uh, why, am I, why am I suffering these things? We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. And we begin to judge and analyze. And we say, you know, I'm alive. I have chance. I have opportunity. I can do better. This can change. I can overcome that. I can grow. Uh, Hosea, the seventh chapter. Get about eight or ten more scriptures here. We'll go through these. Uh, Hosea. Seventh chapter, verse 10. Let me read a few surrounding. Uh, Brian, I'm going to go back to verse 8 just for the context because <clears throat> Hosea, we know, was word from God through Hosea to Israel before their captivity of their coming judgment that was upon them and, and reasons for that and hope beyond and, and the things that were going to happen with the Assyrian captivity of Israel. But also we know that the Word of God has a message for us, current, present. And so we ask, how does this fit in? And that's not the purpose of the message today, not a prophetic current day expose of the book of Hosea and how it applies to us. But just in our mind as we go through here, we can, we can remember duality, present day as well as uh, previous application. Ephraim. He has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. We say half-baked, you know. You ever have a pancake? I like my wife to flip them over. And I like to have brown around the edges. I said, put those collars around. I like, I like them kind of crisp and, and browned. 
pancakes. I don't like it raw on the top. You, you like your griddle cakes half-baked? No, God doesn't. Israel is like a half-baked people. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knows it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knows it not. Like some women fool themselves. I don't have any gray. It's all black. Got it out of a bottle. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face. And they do not return to the Lord, their God, nor seek after him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. When is the time? What is Israel going to be looking to Egypt, looking to Assyria for deliverance and help? When they go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation has heard. Chastise, another form of that word. Chastise, another form of chasten. God is going to send that as he did in the past. And we know it looks like right now we're under some of that chastening and some of that. And there's time while there's, while there's life, while there's time, there's hope. That, but it looks inevitable, doesn't it? Leviticus 26, 28. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these, but you know this reference here in Leviticus 26, 28 in the cursing and blessing uh, of uh, Israel from God, how he sends these four specific instructions here. Well, like in verse uh, uh, 28, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. Now this word seven times occurs four times in this chapter. Now, we've tended in the past, and there's some possibilities to say that uh, seven times, a day for a year, a year for the uh, time of the thousand years, uh, we can take seven times 360 would be uh, 2,520. And so you could take 2,520 from Israel's captivity up to uh, the modern uh, time of the American nation from those three times of captivity up to the, our Declaration of Independence, uh, ratifying our, our Constitution, up to the Louisiana Purchase, uh, 1803. Uh, you can go from the time of the Jews, 2,520 years of their punishment and their discipline, up to 1914 and 1934 and 1948, to their times of, of uh, coming out from under that into their own statehood and their own rights, and America coming into its greatness as the people of God. That's whole separate messages. Now, the reason I say this is we, we take this with reserve because 2,520 years is repeated four times. That's over 10,000 years. So is there uh, just the fact that there is a duplication of the message of severity? Uh, there are reasons maybe why uh, God says, like in verse 18, for seven times more for your sins, in uh, verse uh, 23, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. In verse uh, 24, 
I will punish you seven times more for your sins, four times. So it doesn't seem practical or uh, of application that it would be 10,000 years. So there might be some other meanings there. Well, let's pass on. Job, 33rd chapter. And uh, verse 19, Job 33, 19. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain. So sometimes a disease or sickness can be upon a person to chasten them, to cause them to question and ask, why is this upon me? Verse 14, God speaks once. Yea, twice, yet a man perceives it not. Verse 29, lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man. So there's a lot of things in here going on in his dealing in his relationship with man. And part of that sometimes is, you know, afflictions that we suffer uh, is chastening. Psalm 73, 14. Psalmist said, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Proverbs 3, 11, 12. I just have a few more verses I want to read before a conclusion. Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Remember all the emphasis? We've been talking about correction. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. And uh, Isaiah 53, 5. Talking about Jesus and all the things that he did. Now, let's, it's on the board here, and we're going to look at a couple of other translations also. But King James Bible, Bible says, and we want to notice a few things here. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, the word of or for can be used interchangeably. So if you say, it seems to be more correct to say, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, let's look at um, a few other translations. Let's go to the New King James Version for verse 5. Read it. It says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, he bore the chastisement for us, so that we could have peace. Just like in verse 7 says, he was oppressed, he was afflicted. Uh, you can go through uh, Psalm 50, uh, Isaiah 53, and see what Christ bore for us. He bore our sins, he bore punishment and discipline on the cross for us. And the reason was that we would have peace, that we would have uh, inner peace. Let's go to two more translations. Now, this is the basic Bible in English. 
But it was for our sins he was wounded, and for our evil doings he was crushed. He took the punishment by which we have peace, and by his wounds we are made well. So they word this a little different. He took the punishment by which we have peace. Now, also the Amplified. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him and with the stripes that wounded him we are healed and made whole. So we see through a few different translations to help us with the King James. Normally I don't go away. I love the King James and the explanations and, and work through that. But sometimes another translation will help us see that uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And so the great benefit, a great blessing from chastisement from God is we have peace. We have confidence. We have trust. We have good. Daniel 10, 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for whom, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy word. And this word here is the only time it occurs for this chasing in the scripture. And it means looking down or browbeating, depress, abase self, afflict, humble. So what he's saying from the, from the, even though there was some delay in response and answer when God sent the recovery and help to Daniel. From the first time that he began to pray and to seek after him and to humble himself, God was determined to send an answer. And so, New Testament, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. So let me see. I think this is our last scripture. No, we have, we have one more. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We were there at the um, beginning, but since... Passover, unleavened bread is approaching and uh, we are examining ourselves. We are, and we read this earlier in verse 27, we're to, in verse 28, we're to examine ourselves. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. That's when we judge ourselves. That we should not be condemned with the world. So, in uh, closing, several things I've written down here. We all as sons will be chastened if we judge ourselves carefully and correctly and change our ways, if needed. God won't need to chasten us so severely if we're doing our part in everything we can to be right and correct. It may, be, may seem uh, correct in love, his guiding, his teaching, his correction, but it will be without the punishment, without the severity, without the beating that we might sometimes deserve. 
And we should all ask ourselves some of these questions. Is our trouble to chasten us, to teach us a lesson, to discipline, to train me for a better way of righteousness, to correct me to holiness, to lead me to peace? Is it sent in love or anger? What am I doing? What is my attitude? What am I going to learn from this sickness, financial trouble, persecution, loss, pain, suffering? Will I be closer to God, better, more repentant, more righteous, more peaceful? Am I really thankful that his chastening is for my good and a sign of his love? While we're in a situation, we don't always know whether it's trouble from the devil, temptation, a test, a trial, a chastening. That's why we examine it and ourselves very carefully. Then, if it's necessary, after repentance, we continue to trust in God, continue to overcome, to remain faithful to the end. Never quit trying. Never give up. Never depart from God's way. Yes, quit the devils, quit our ways, quit man's ways, but never quit God's ways. In the closing scripture, in positive application, Psalm 94. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed. Now we know blessed is happy. Blessed is the man whom you chastenest, O Lord, and teach him out of your law that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. We have hope in our eternal reward. We know that sometimes some chastening is in this life and some chastening in the life to come. We know some reward is in this life and some in the life to come. And punishment in this life sometimes and sometimes in the life to come. What we want is the confidence and the blessing for knowing that now in this life and now in this time we have God with us. Seeing us through this, helping us work our way through this. The uncertainty, because sometimes we don't know what's going on in our life, but to work our way through it. Because we know that in the future eternal destiny, we won't have punishment, but we'll have reward and eternal blessings with God. So let's view chastening in a positive way.